Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Dr. Fred. We're doing another episode of Study, Grow, Know, and this one's on uh, continuing studies in Revelation, and this is part three. Now, Revelation 18, 21 to 24, details the final and absolute destruction of Babylon. It is swift when it happens, and it is certain. There are two main reactions to the destruction of Babylon, which we will note, but let's take a look at the text. Revelation 18, 21 through 24. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus, with violence, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found any more. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery, all the nations were deceived, and in her was found the blood of prophets and saints, and of all who were slain on the earth. There's a lot there in that text, a lot. And what it's doing is describing basically what an actual big city does. Everything that goes into it, the sights, the sounds that you see, and it is telling us the text that that's going to cease. So it notes clearly that at some point in the future, Babylon will be destroyed and it'll happen with violence. We don't know what that violence will be. John saw a mighty angel in the spiritual realm who took a giant millstone and threw it into the sea. This was what he saw from his vantage point. What John saw as a result of that in the physical realm is listed in the following verses or the verses I just read. Rejoicing of unbelievers, music stops, production of goods stops, industry stops, activity of all kinds stops. That's how bad the destruction stops everything that goes on. So Babylon is overthrown with violence because of the violent way Babylon destroyed the prophets and believers in God. The bulleted list, if you look at the transcript and the one I just read, is it indicates that everything that happens in cities that are part of daily life will no longer exist in Babylon. God is telling us everything. Think about everything that goes on in cities. The noise of traffic, the noise of industry, the noise of people, everything, it's going to be gone. So I take this to mean that Babylon, while certainly being an economic system, will also be a physical place, location, and or city. Now, there are numerous indications that this Babylon will be physical, and we've noted it previously when we've been discussing other parts of Revelation. If the types of things that occur in life, conversation, music, production of goods, industry itself, and in all human activity— 
all of it indicate a physical location. Now, ultimately, there's going to be three main reasons why Babylon, the city and the system will be destroyed by God. Men who enrich themselves due to their pride in Babylon. Verse 23. Deception. That pride stemmed from being deceived. Also verse 23. Babylon deceived all the nations into thinking that joy, security, honor, and meaning in life or success come through the accumulation of material wealth. That's a quote by Dr. Thomas Constable. Babylon used sorcery, which is really interesting because the Greek word there is pharmakia, which we'll get into in just a second. And then in verse 24, it talks about blood of saints as being another reason why Babylon will be destroyed. Uh, Here's a quote from Thomas. Blood violently shed cries out for vengeance until it is rewarded by the punishment of the murderers. The destruction of Babylon answers to that punishment. And you can see that in Revelation chapter 8 through 22 and also um, Genesis 4.10 where we have Cain and Abel. Now it's interesting to note that the Greek word pharmakia here is where we get the English word pharmaceutical. I'm sure you may know that. Has Big Pharma played any part in gaining dominion over people in society? Well, just consider the past few years and what's even happening now and continues to happen with pharmaceuticals, uh, and you'll have your answer. Believers throughout history, since the inception of Nimrod's Babylon system with Tower of Babel, have always lived within the Babylonian system. However, it's one thing to live within the system and another thing to adopt that system's attitude and to live by its rules. And the rules are simple in Babylon. Self-centeredness, living only to fulfill selfish pleasures, using and or stepping on others to get what's wanted, war, sales, and power. And the accumulation of wealth goes with all of those. Really, it does. Those are the attitudes, and that's how people live in Babylon, which exists today as a system. Now, ultimately, it's all about money leading to power so that powerful people who are extremely wealthy, can can gain dominion over the rest. Christians must not lay up treasures here on earth by endorsing the system of Babylon. We may not be able to avoid dealing with Babylon. We have to go to stores. We have to buy food. We have to buy clothing. We have to shop at various places. We have to be part of that system in a sense, but we do not have to live it. We do not have to adopt the attitude that Babylon produces and demands that others also produce within themselves. The destruction of Babylon marks the effective final phase of the seven-year tribulation period that leads to its very, very abrupt end with the return of our Lord. It officially ends with his physical return of Jesus in Revelation 19. Let's look at some more text here. The first 10 verses of Revelation 19 says this, After these things I heard, and of course I refers to John, a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia! 
Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. And he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again, they said, Alleluia, her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, who sat on the throne saying, Amen, Alleluia. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet and worshipped him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Wow, that's, that's an awful lot there. And, and most of it is adoration and praise to God. So the above verses that I just read, and again, that was Revelation 19, 1 to 10, highlight a complete contrast in heaven versus what has just happened and continues to happen on the earth and all the fallout from that. On the earth, there is despair, there's grief, there's absolute shock at what has transpired with Babylon. At that point in the tribulation, Babylon will be the system of commerce used throughout the world, with whatever city representing Babylon will be the physical headquarters at the time. Revelation 19 has two parts to it. Heavenly hosts rejoicing at the complete destruction of Babylon and the events surrounding our Lord's physical return to the earth. Now, in Revelation 19.1, we see praise rising in heaven because of Babylon's destruction. Babylon represents the latter-day Tyre and Egypt and Antichrist will be the ultimate, the consummate Pharaoh of the Exodus as well as the King of Tyre combined. Here's a quote from Thomas. The four songs in Revelation 19, 1 to 5 look back to the judgment of Babylon, and the song in Revelation 19, 9 to 10 looks forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The harlot dies, but the bride begins to enjoy new life. Now, the reason for praising Babylon's destruction is seen in Revelation 19.2. Heavenly residents praise God for his truth, his judgment, and his righteousness. God does everything correctly. He does it in his own time of his choosing, which is also done correctly. Everything about God and his decisions are truthful and they are righteous. 
It is only right that Babylon, which brought moral ruin on the earth, should lie in ruins. And that's a quote from Constable. It's only right that Babylon, which brought moral ruins to God's creation, should lie in ruins. This is what Satan has created since the beginning. And the climax of that will be destroyed in the revelation just before Christ returns. All people will have made their decision to follow God or Satan at this point in the tribulation. And there will be no changing of sides. Those who have, through deceit and delusion, followed Satan will have their eyes and understanding open to eventually understand that they were, in fact, deceived into believing what they wholeheartedly believed. And all of it turned out to be lies. Verse 3 reinforces the idea that Babylon is dead forever. No longer will she deceive through immorality and spiritual adultery by leading people away from God and following Satan. Revelation 19, 4-5 shows the 24 elders raising their voices in praise to the one who sits on the throne, which is God the Father, with Christ next to him. An angel calls out from near the throne for continual praise to God and to fear, to fear the living God for his righteous judgments. We've talked about fear in God, and we know that that means to fear offending the living God because of his righteous judgments, because of his justice, because of who he is. Revelation 18 and 19 teach us That because God is holy, righteous, perfect in judgment and in every way possible, the world will reap the consequences of their sin and resolute denial of God. Now, as Christians, we need to practice living lives that reflect our fear of offending God. That's what we need to live. That's what we need to practice. Fearing God to offend God, the only wise God, the only God. All others are pretenders. They're nothing. We must design our lives so that our love for God and our growing fear of offending Him by sinning would take over our lives, allowing us to live the way He wants us to live so that He and He alone is glorified. He must increase and we must increase decrease. We can only do that when our fear of offending him grows and grows and grows more. We cannot love or fear offending him enough in this life. We can simply submit to him and endeavor to live the way he would have us live. Now, next time in this series, we're going to talk about two things from Revelation 19, 6 through 16, the marriage supper of the Lamb and the preparation of Christ's physical return to this earth. So in the meantime, I thank you so much for joining me today. And until we meet again, I pray that God will open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical conservative perspective. 